that's with regard to the fundamentals. You you could look at also the sentiment and where we came from. I mean, it seems like yesterday that everybody was bearish. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics and quite excited to have my dear old friend who's been on the show. Jeez, it's four or five years ago since we first uh, started checking in with David Brady of SilverChartist.com, also an author for Sprott Money and an active participant and trader in the markets who has been tracking this for quite a while and now as we were talking about before we hit the record button, a lot of the things that people have been concerned about that have led us into gold and silver seem to be uh, manifesting by the day. So we'll be plenty to discuss with David Brady today. And David, great to catch up with you. I guess uh, thanks for checking in. I guess it's already been just about a year since we did this last year and uh, always following your writing at Sprott and elsewhere. And great to have you back on here today. I love your backdrop. And how's everything going with you? Oh, everything's good. It's great to be with you again, uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd uh, go outdoors a little bit today. And these are all the trees that I'm growing from my off grid, like 60 or so fruit and nut trees. And uh, the backdrop's nice. You've got the lake in the background. I don't know if you can see it. Fortunately, uh, the air quality is pretty good today in Canada despite uh, reports to the contrary. I uh, thought it'd be a good time to catch up, especially given what's going on in gold and silver. Yes, it certainly is. And again, uh, glad to see you have some plants growing. Good good to get a little time away from the computer screens and be out in nature a little bit. And although, like you said, plenty happening in the gold and silver space, I'm going to pull up the charts. We're recording here on Tuesday, July 18th. And we can see we've had a bit of a silver rally and gold over the past week. Silver now over $25 again, a little bit off of the 26 and change high that we had earlier this year. Obviously, we had a rally with the latest CPI and PPI figures per perhaps not the most uh, ironclad measures of inflation out there, but has sent prices higher over the last week. We have gold back above 1980. So why don't we start there? What you're seeing in the uh, gold and silver markets, obviously a lot of people wondering if the correction we saw is over and uh, what say you about the current gold and silver levels, David? Yeah, I do believe that the uh, correction is over and I published an article to that effect. I believe the bottom is in, but in saying that, you know, anything is possible. So my stop would be a break of 1890 on the downside in gold would signal trouble. And at that point, I would step aside. But right now, I'm only looking north. And in particular, uh, I, I like that you show those charts because, you know, I did say that I tend to be focusing on silver right now because it's more volatile and seems to be leading gold. And it hit that 25.25 level. It got a little above it, but didn't close above it. And uh, I think we get a pullback, a short-term one. And then we're going to pop above 26 and hopefully take out that closing high of 26.23. And I think the intraday was 26.43. And then everybody and their dog gets uh, pulled up to the 90s as usual. And down we go for a, a, a another pullback. But I tell you, if we get that pullback, and I hope we do, 
uh, I'll be buying it with both hands. And you could say the same thing in gold. Gold is lagging silver right now. But I expect, you know, the same thing to happen there, but a test of 2,000. Now, it'd be nice if you get a pop above it, but then I expect, again, another pullback, maybe to, you know, 1955, 1950. That seems like a pivotal area uh, or even higher than that. But I'll be using those pullbacks, and the same can go for the gold and silver miners, GDX and SILJ, to buy because, you know, everything's lining up for a big rally here in gold and silver. Um, you mentioned the fundamentals. Uh, the Fed's talking about two rate hikes. They'll be lucky to get, well, not lucky. The One is priced in. But the second one in September, that's definitely up in the air because of the latest probability of that is, you know, 15%, 10%, depending on the day that you look at it. And it's a long time between now and September. So I still think there's a, a strong possibility that's already priced in. The, the July hike is definitely. And until we see some data to increase the likelihood of a probability of a rate hike in September, which is still a long way away, I think the road is open for gold and silver, especially silver and gold uh, to go higher and for the miners to play catch up. They've been lagging a little uh, lately. They've outperformed both metals, but not by what you would expect. So uh, I expect them to take off when gold and silver, especially when gold closes above 2000 and then starts looking like it's going to test the all-time highs. And silver, when we get above 27 and we start knocking on the door of 30, th then things get really exciting. But um, that's with regard to the fundamentals. You, you could look at also the sentiment and where we came from. I mean, it seems like yesterday that everybody was bearish. Yes. Everybody was throwing in the towel. And uh, I, I keep pounding the table on this every time I you know, have a conversation such as this. Look, gold, silver is a very emotional market. Every time it's at a low, it's not bullish, it's bearish. That's the time you should be buying. It goes against your, your human nature because it's falling, so I'll sell, get out. But that's the time that it typically goes up. And the same on the upside. When everybody becomes euphoric, you should be looking south. At least, you know, have some caution because typically that's when it sells off. Gold is always bullish at tops. So uh, we've seen a bounce off extreme bearish lows recently. But and it's come very far, very fast. So I think you know pullbacks. You always get pullbacks. Yeah, people who say, "Oh no, it's going to the moon." No, nothing goes up in a straight line. And the the issue is, do you take advantage of them, or do you just write it out, or like do you miss them altogether? Um, and I think that they we will get pullbacks. And you need to take advantage of them because this has room to run, in my opinion. Uh, the sentiment has increased, but we're, I would say, in silver, neutral. Uh, gold is just picking its face up off the floor. So there's still plenty of room to run in that respect. 
with regard to the positioning, the only thing that concerns me is if you look at the COP positioning for the banks in gold, silver, it's fine. Everything's set up for a massive rally. Uh, open interest was at its lowest since 2013 last week. Um, and even in the funds being long, they're basically neutral. The banks are basically neutral. But gold has still got a big net short position on the part of the banks. Now, I did say this on a previous podcast. I believe Ted Butler brought this up a couple of weeks ago that uh, Bank of America is very short. But JP Morgan is long. So you're seeing a net short, but Bank of America is relatively new to all this compared to the J JP Morgan, which are the experts in this area. So I, I, I don't, I'm just pointing it out as a caveat, but given that JP Morgan is moderately long, uh, I'm not too concerned about it, but it's just something to watch. And then the technicals were, uh, we put in a base at 1900 in gold, which is the 38.2% uh, retracement uh, from Fibonacci perspective. And now we're heading north. Um, the issue is taking out that 2000 number. Uh, everybody's looking at the all-time highs. We've got 2000, that's the hurdle for us. If you can get above that big number, the two and the three zeros, even if we come back below it, uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we test the uh, new all-time highs. I do find it interesting, the psychology that happens around that $2,000 figure where for at 1990 versus 2010, uh, is it really that big of a difference? Although what was interesting a couple months ago when we were back over 2000, you saw a lot of coverage about the gold market and potential new highs. Mm -hmm. um, so Perhaps to some degree, there's some marketing that happens there. And David, a few interesting things that you mentioned in there and uh, a couple questions I have, although perhaps the first one, back to the Fed and their meeting next week. Now, uh, we had those, those CPI and PPI readings last week that came in on the lower side. Again, we'll leave aside for today's conversation how accurate of a measure of inflation that really is. But do you think we're getting to the point where at least now the Fed can say, hey, look, we've actually made progress and we have inflation coming down? And do you think they will say anything to that effect next week or a significant change in the language where so far it's been, well, we have to be vigilant against inflation and, you know, watch out for more rate hikes? Do you think there will be a change in tone when they meet and when Jerome Powell has his press conference next Wednesday? Uh, honestly, I don't know, uh, because, you know, they paused back in May and then they plan to hike again now here in July. And I'm, I was a little surprised by that, given that you, you talked about CPI and PPI. CPI is subject to hedonics and adjustments and all this jazz, seasonal adjustments. The PPI is a much truer uh, reflection of inflation. And that dropped not to the past month, but the previous month of that. The, the, it dropped from nine nine 9.2%, I believe, a little over a year ago to 2.9%. It was revised down this month to 26 But the actual came in, I think, at 23 And 
at 2.9, that big drop from 9.2, that's a 67% drop in a year. How fast do you need this to fall? And it's still falling. And so my point is, why would you write hike rates and talk about two more rate hikes when it's coming down? And they, their, their comments were, it's not coming down fast enough, basically. <laughs> How fast do you want it to drop? I mean, like as I said uh, on a previous podcast as well, if gold was at 2000 and it fell down to 666 in the space of a year, I would think that was a pretty big development. Yeah. So I don't know what these guys, uh, I was talking this morning, I tweeted this morning with regard to the Bank of Canada raising rates when the consumer prices are falling much lower than expected. The pr producer prices, sorry, the consumer prices and then the producer prices as well. And then they have this raw material index, which dropped 20%, way below expectations. And yet they're, they just raised rates again as well. So it's hard to know what these guys are going to do. All I know is I look at the probabilities and I use the CME tool and they say there's a what, 11, 12% probability of a rate hike in September. Now we've got a long time to go till then. So if some data comes out that shows inflation starting to turn up, well, and maybe they have that data, then they probably won't say anything uh, to, you know, suggest that they're done hiking but otherwise i would think if i was in Powell's shoes and i'm not it's you're, you're driving looking in the rearview mirror and the data is working against you you should at least be a little bit more cognizant of the fact that people see the data coming down 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 how far are you going to push this I mean, are you going to push us into deflation, which wouldn't surprise me with the boom bust bank? I mean, you 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 tackle 9.2 inflation on PPI and perhaps even higher, according to some people, I like guess, shadow stats, 16% CPI. And then you drive it into deflation and then you have to do the exact opposite. But at that point, it's probably too late for the economy. So I, I don't know is the answer, but... Uh, it's going to be a hard to justify another rate hike when the futures market is saying the chances, and I'm not talking about a year from now, I'm talking about September, that it's got an 11% probability. Uh, if they do, let's talk about scenarios. If they do come out dovish along the lines that you said, gold and silver, it's like sea of time. Um, so, my guess is that they won't because the, the dollar has gotten its rear end handed to it. And if they're a little too dovish here shortly at the next meeting, that could like be meltdown. Now, I am looking for 92 on the dollar index before we bottom. And then maybe the milkshake crowd gets their day in the sun. But uh, I would be surprised if they flip-flop again because they went from pause to two more rate hikes and then they go back to uh you know we're going to watch and wait what are you going to say tomorrow so uh, my two cents is that they'll hike and uh, we're data dependent yeah i hear what you're saying david and obviously they try to avoid like they're changing direction too quickly of course we heard inflation was transitory and that turned out to not be the case 
seems almost a little weird. Why pause last month and then hike this month with not necessarily a, a big change in the conditions in between the two? Although I guess next Wednesday we'll we'll find out what their uh, rationale is and. Um, Again, yeah, on, on top of that, sorry to interrupt you. On top of that, you got you mentioned the CPI and the PPI. The payrolls came in late the previous Friday, yeah. and they had beat thirteen of the past fourteen months. So, and the the one month they missed was March, where they missed by three k. So, prior to that announcement, I said, well, the odds favor another beat because in the last fourteen months they've beaten or missed by three k. And the outperformance of the payrolls, the actual payrolls relative to expectations over those 14 months was enormous, 39% higher than the expectations, cumulatively. If you just add them all up and compare, it's 39%, simple math. And yet it came in low. So maybe the there's a, a, a maybe there's a chink in the armor of that narrative, maybe it's going to go south. Now, if that's the case, then they are going to have to, you know, take their foot off the gas pedal with regard to rate hikes. If we get another one of those, but the data, to your point, is not on their side. It's far from where I'm sitting and from where you're sitting. But you know, the Fed will do what it wants to do. Well, that is the case, and yeah, it was interesting. You didn't didn't really see much of a dip in the probability of the July hike, even after any of those came out. So will be interesting to see if there is a change in what Powell says, especially next uh, next meeting, because again, flawed as they might be, see these uh, inflation readings coming down. Uh, although with that said, we talked earlier about perhaps hitting, uh, God forbid, the $30 level in, in silver, which seems to be the line in the sand and also a new high in gold, which I think you're quite right that won't be a straight line in between here or there. But what do you think it takes to actually reach that? Um, does it take hearing a change in policy, finally getting some dovish commentary from the Fed? Do we need to actually see a, a rate cut before that, more banking issues? Or what do you think will drive us to uh, either of those data points in the future? Well, I'll be honest, uh, Chris, I, I think it's already started. I think gold and silver, gold in particular, um, has already sniffed out what's coming with regard to uh, monetary policy. Uh, when you talked about, like, it was interesting that they didn't reduce the probability of the July rate hike. Well, they were talking about two hikes. So, yeah, they'll take one, yeah. but will they get the second one? And I, I think... I, I I put it this way. July is priced in. September is not priced in. Um, and given the weak payrolls, given that the inflation data continues to come off, it, which are the two primary uh, focal points for the Fed, it's going to be hard to justify another rate hike if that continues. So we get a rate hike in July and then we go forward. Unless we get a bombastic, which... Uh, it's definitely possible with the payrolls uh, and a turn up in inflation, then uh, that would cap uh, the metals. But to answer your question, unless that happens, the 
the train has already left the station. It's, it's, it's already turning north. And unless something comes in to knock the train off the tracks, I think it's just going to keep going. You'll get your pullbacks along the way, but it's already left the station. Much like gold in 2008, when it anticipated that the central bank, the Fed, would have to resort to QE. It didn't happen until the following March, but gold bottomed in October. So I think it's already started, to answer your question. We're coming off extreme oversold levels, extreme bearish sentiment. The positioning data, especially in silver, is very, uh, it's neutral and very kind to silver. Um, gold, other than the net shorts on the far part of the banks, funds aren't massively long. So that looks good too. And then you look at what's happening to the dollar. It's just fallen below 100 on the Dixie. Uh, we're getting a mini pullback, or we probably get a pullback, but my target is 92. So I don't think it needs anything. It just needs something not to happen, which is a uh, surprising beat on payrolls again and a turn up in the CPI and the PPI. Absent that, it's very difficult to justify um, raising rates a second time, unless it is to defend the dollar. Yeah. And again, as I know you're well aware, interesting how they've, they've talked about 5.6% terminal rate end of this year, although already mentioning in their projections, 4.6 at the end of 2024, uh, then going down to 3.4. So to some degree, it's like, why bother with another quarter point hike? You're already talking about when you're going to get ready to cut. And I'm curious what you see playing out. I know there's debate over uh, whether we're going to get rate cuts this year or whether it ends up being next year. Perhaps the timing of that less significant than when it whenever it does occur do you think the next time we hit rate cuts and qe which on one hand there's there's that unanswered question of how are these deficits going to get funded interest expense on the debt really set to start being a bigger problem as some of that debt gets rolled over at now five plus percent interest rates does that shift when we go into a new portion of this financial regime? I mean, do let's say they took rates down to 3.4% by the end of 2025. I mean, do we see do things go off the rails at that point? Or is that, you know, is there another rate hiking cycle after that? And we just continue the system the way we knew it? Or is, or is that getting close to a break point in this entire uh, Keynesian regime that we've, we've existed in for so long. Yeah, you get your great reset. Um, my, my two cents on this is I'll use gold. I believe gold is going to around 2400 and could hit there by October. And it'll be driven by the things we just talked about, and basically the Fed on pause. Whether they say it or not, they hike in July and they don't hike in September. Um, and maybe they try to hike, or maybe they try to hike in September, even though the probability says otherwise, they do it anyway. And that's what precipitates what I expect to be the crash, uh, at least the beginning of it, in either September or October, which typically is the worst period 
for stocks. I mean, look at 2018, look at uh, Black Monday, look at Black Thursday back in 1929. October seems to be the worst period for stocks. So to answer your question, I, I think the Fed uh, hikes, then the market thinks that they're done. If they do hike another one in S September, I think that precipitates the crisis that I expect. And uh, either way, you'll get uh, the drop in stocks. You will get a pullback, a big pullback. But at that point, gold and silver will have risen to 2,400 and it could fall back to 2,000. And then we get to what you just said. The Fed has to think about rate cuts and QE, reminiscent of post-March 2020, I think. And they start cutting and uh, printing money again. The problem I see is that the damage done to the economy at that point, and they've used this trick so many times, is I don't believe it's going to work this time. All it will do is slow the drop in stocks. It won't stop it. Uh, I think much of the big smart money will have used this rally to get out. And it'll be retail left holding the bag as usual. But as far as gold and silver go, it'll be like throwing gasoline on the fire. So what I'm saying is you're going to get a run up. And this isn't set in stone. This is just my opinion. You're going to get a run up into September, October. You'll get this crash, which drags down gold and silver as well. You get a pullback to maybe 2000 because that's a very pivotal level. And then we go to 3000 because they start printing again. They start slashing rates and whatever. But the problem is stocks keep going down, so they keep having to do it. But it, it, you, you'll get mini pops along the way, but the peak is in. Now, I think we stocks are going to hit new all-time highs before this happens. I don't know whether it's 4,819, because I believe the top was 4,818, or it's 5,000 or 5,500, whatever it is. But I believe we hit new all-time highs, and then the bottom falls out. But... Gold and silver will get dragged down initially, but then it'll see what's coming next, which is Fed capitulation. And it doesn't help the stock market. It won't help the real estate market. It won't help commercial real estate. It, it won't help bonds, but it is going to be the most momentous moment for gold and silver, in my opinion, because there's nothing else to stop it now. And I think a lot of people, if we get another renewed banking crisis, which we haven't talked about, now they talk about CBDCs reducing the risk of a bank run. Maybe to some extent, because it's digital, but you can still buy gold with your CBDC. So it, it can still go elsewhere, or you can buy tangible assets, real estate, whatever you want. So there's still that risk. And if that happens around the same time or you know shortly before and precipitates the stock market drop you know the fed's going to be cutting rates left right and center and you'll see the depositors pulling are running not to pulling the money out because there's maybe dollars paper dollars no longer exist but they'll be running to gold and silver that, that, that's a no-brainer we saw that last time around and uh this the, the previous 
crisis, banking crisis was the preview. The next is the main event. We saw the same thing in 2008 again. It's a great uh, analogy because you'll remember Burr Stearns got into trouble in March right. of 2000. Was it 2008? Yeah, uh, that was right. When solar was at 21 bucks, you get JP Morgan takeover. <laughs> yeah. 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 In the big short. Well, yeah, we've got the, I remember that. But then it took Lehman later in the summer to literally bring everything down. That was the main event. So uh, I see the same scenario playing out in the next few months. Yeah. And along those lines, uh, in terms of how you mentioned a uh, $2,400 gold price, what, what price do you think you can get to in gold with silver still under thirty dollars? Is there well, sil silver will probably be closer to forty at that point? Yeah, that that that's my two cents because look, if uh, we go back to nineteen seventy four to nineteen eighty, uh, gold went up twenty four x, silver went up thirty seven x based on my calcs, so basically a one point five beta uh, from two thousand to two thousand eleven. Gold went up 8x, some say 7x, I say 8x. Uh, silver went up 12x. Again, a 1.5 beta. You're going to see the same thing now, but perhaps even more so. Maybe it's a 2 beta because silver is used in a lot of things these days, especially in green energy, namely solar. And everybody wants it. There's a, there's a deficit. But the past two years, we've had a deficit in silver. So they both go up. But silver always outperforms gold. And uh, if gold is at uh, 2400 we're probably at $30, maybe 31 32 And maybe that's when we get the, pill back, the similar pullback in silver. But just like in gold, when gold hits 2000 on the pullback and silver hits, what, 26 27 when gold goes to 3000 I... I believe it's conservative. Silver could hit 50, 60. Well, that would certainly be welcome news. And any any thoughts on what happens when silver actually gets through that $30 level? Obviously, you're pretty in tune with the technicals and seems like there's certainly been a fair amount of resistance there. Uh, I've heard some people suggest that, technically speaking, when you get through 30, 50 is not far off. Um, I would imagine it won't be a straight line in between those two, but do or do you think it's something like we've seen with gold at the two thousand dollar level, where it's popped through a couple times and come back down, or what do you see happening whenever silver does finally break that thirty level? Uh, I see uh, everybody getting bullish, incredibly bullish uh, off the charts, and that's what I mean by uh, if this if that happens by September October and something precipitates a sharp drop in stocks, and there's so many potential factors for that, uh, that'll drag down gold and silver with it, when it right when it was extreme bullish, which yeah. is a perfect time. And then it drops back to 2000 and then it takes off. So uh, again, it's gonna be a case of the market being extreme bullish, both gold and silver, and that's the time to take it off. And there will be something that happens that precipitates the drop in gold and silver. But thereafter, that's that's your last chance because 3,000 next in gold because the Fed will be turning back to printing and cutting rates, as they always do. It's great for gold and silver. It won't work for stocks and real estate and bonds, in my opinion.
makes sense. And one thing I'm curious, how do you factor in, you touched on a little bit about how we've had a silver deficit. We see these declining inventories again at the current price level. There's not a lot of money flowing into the miners. Do you see a bit of a gap coming at some point where we reach that area where all of a sudden uh, industrially there's an issue? Um, how do you factor that in? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough one. I, I don't really focus on uh, industrial usage of silver or gold, but it's certainly a factor uh, given you know the green energy uh, policies being rolled out. But uh, I, I think it's investment that's going to drive it higher. I believe investment on the part of some uh, key players is what caused silver to spike um the past uh two three four days uh you saw a jump in uh contracts and it's uh, ted butler talked about this and that tells me that regard look industry usage is ongoing and it has you know waves goes up and down and goes up but it's generally up but investment is spikes and that's what we're getting that's what we got in the past few days and what I'm talking about is when, if and when the Fed starts to change course on uh, rate hikes to rate cuts and QT to QE, the big money won't want to keep their money in cash because that's, you know, ramp very inflationary. So where do they go? They're not going to go to real estate. They're not going to go to stocks because they're overvalued. They're going to run into gold and silver. They can't run to paper money because that's probably gone. So there's, look, everything is set up. It's like the perfect storm for gold and silver at this point. Maybe cryptos benefit from it to some extent. But, uh, and then we didn't, we didn't talk about this thing. The BRICS are, part, uh, you know, thinking about on August 22nd, announcing a, uh, a BRICS currency uh, backed by gold, pegged by gold, associated with gold, whatever. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a major event that day. I think it'll be major because it's the signal that it's coming. Uh, but are they going to announce that they're launching that day? No, it'll be a dud, in my opinion. But it is signaling that it's coming. And it's... You might get a nice big pullback that day, and then the next day it starts to go back up again. That's that's my uh, two cents on that one. But uh, I see investment piling into the metals that drives it up. And not just from big money, you'll get it from retail as well. Yeah, I think we saw that earlier this year, especially when you had the banking issues where really had a lot of people concerned and a new level of interest in gold and silver and um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the BRICS do if they do announce anything. Has been some reports out there. Uh, to be clear, not any official confirmation from the decision makers yet. So I tend to think that whether it's announced in August or not, certainly we've heard a lot of commentary out of Russia and other participants in the BRICS that they are looking for something so whether that happens in august does seem like we'll continue to see planning towards a move away from that and 
fits in with everything else you mentioned and certainly a lot to keep an eye on in these months going forward and appreciate everything you shared and laid out for us today, David. And just before we wrap up, could you let folks know uh, about the best way to stay in touch with your writing? Obviously you have the Sprott column and know you're involved with a new fund that is going to be getting involved with the mining stocks and perhaps anything you'd like to share on that. Yeah, I write, for, I write on Twitter. I write on uh, silverchartist.com and sprottmoney.com. Uh, I am now a fund advisor to uh, the 4779 fund. Uh, the the, um, the uh, uh, website is 4779capital.com. And uh, the reason that we're setting this up, it's myself, uh, Kyle Heinemann, who's the general partner of the fund. And then you've got uh, Steve Penny, David Morgan, Jeff Clark, um, and myself, obviously. And uh, we're doing this because we believe that the uh, gold and silver market is, as you can tell from our discussion to this point, I'm extremely bullish. And those guys are also, not just the next year, for the next five to seven years, and in my opinion, decades. I, I believe we're going into a bubble in gold and silver uh over the next several decades given what's happening to uh fiat currency and the the people i'll be working with uh feel the same way so we set want to set this up uh fund up we're setting it up it's going to launch next month uh the purpose is to invest in five to ten miners uh maybe five explorers or micro cap producers and a few high beta stocks uh, mining stocks, that is, to take advantage of this bull market. So, yes, you can make a lot of money on gold and silver, but if you pick the right miners and it plays out, you could make significant returns relative to any ETF, any other fund, gold, physical gold and silver itself. And we want to capitalize on that. So uh, that's the premise for the fund. And, uh, yeah, check it out, 4779capital.com. And uh, yeah, uh, I really appreciate the time today, Chris. And uh, hopefully we'll do it sooner than a year next time. Yes, yes. Uh, certainly uh, we need to do that. And exciting to see you have the fun started up. Obviously some smart guys that you're partnering with there. And um, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, a lot of the factors that looked for for a long time seem to be lining up. and um interesting couple months we have coming ahead so david thanks as always for coming on like you said we'll do this sooner than a year next time and appreciate everything you're doing out there and thank you for being here and everything you shared today thanks very much chris and one last word if you don't own any physical gold and silver please buy a little it's an insurance policy for what's coming that's it i just want to leave you on that note thanks well chris well said. And uh, David, we'll catch up with you again soon. And uh, thanks for being here. Take care.